Yahoo Sports has been a leader in fantasy sports for nearly two decades, and it's great to see that they recently introduced Fair Play for Daily Fantasy. Yahoo is helping to level the playing field for sports fans with strict contest entry limits and veteran labels for highly experienced players so you know who you're playing against. Yahoo Sports is offering our listeners a special offer. Go to the Yahoo Fantasy app or visit yahoo.com slash daily fantasy and use the promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R, with your next deposit to receive a one-time $50 deposit bonus that's earned over time as you play. Plus, first-time depositors will receive a $10 credit to enter contests. So remember, that's promo code RINGER on Yahoo Sports Daily Fantasy. Welcome to the Ringer MLB show. I am Michael Bauman, a staff writer at the Ringer, and I'm joined by the Ringer's deputy editor, Mallory Rubin. Mallory, Michael, how you doing? I'm ill, but glad to be here with you. How are you? I've, I've always thought you were ill in the <laughs> mid 1990s Mountain Dew sense of the word. That's quite, quite kind of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. So I'm. I'm tanking these jokes so I never have to host again is, is what's going on. <laughs> so today we are going to do a first for our uh, our brief history as a podcast. Uh, we're going to answer questions from the audience. Yes. Today is the, the mailbag segment. So we have put out the call and you have answered. So we've got I don't know, about nine or 10 questions here that we're going to uh, we're going to tackle first. Uh, Leading off with from Nav Kumar, uh, disqualifying your home teams. What are your top five MLB.tv teams, a la the league pass rankings made so famous on on Grantland.com for the NBA? <laughs> so I think this is a a great question because it allows us to steal Zach Lowe's idea, and any idea stolen from Zach Lowe is a good idea. So totally. who you got? This also shows that um, that Nav has been listening and knows us well and knew that he had to tell us we weren't allowed to talk about our own teams because we would have just done that otherwise. I would not have, <laughs> by the way. I like I'm. I'm trying to avoid no, watching your team as much as possible. Right, like you know, I I make no effort to hide the fact that I grew up a Phillies fan and nobody wants to watch the Phillies right now. So. All right. Except for except for me and Chris Ryan. Okay, so and Jeff Chow and Andy Greenwald and all the numerous uh, Philly fans associated with this uh, this fine website. Okay, know, does Chris actually watch the Phillies? Uh, like, certainly okay. not. Certainly not. But I, I like to uh, I like to encourage him to embrace his his dormant baseball fandom. Um, look at this. We were not supposed to talk about our own teams, and here we are doing it. We're we so are. bad at okay. following directions. Okay, so my top five MLB.tv list, and and I basically interpreted this as like straightforward and simply as possible. The the teams that I I think are the most interesting and fun and compelling to watch, the ones that I want to tune into and, and see as often as possible, whether I'm emotionally invested in an outcome or not, just because they're cool and interesting. So the first one is, is I think, kind of a, a no-brainer doy one this season, and that's the Cubs. I mean, they just, yep. you know, every position on the field uh, as the <laughs> totally absurd NL starting all-star team uh, confirmed every position on the field has an interesting player. You know, you got you got Arietta on the on the starting staff who's about as uh, fun to watch as any pitcher in baseball i've never personally been much of a lester enthusiast but y- you can't deny the results and i mean just look at the, look at the lineup bryant rizzo hayward russell zobris schwarber's not even playing this year 
like when you think of the people who are out there this year and then the idea of adding Schwarber back into the mix, it's almost more than MLB.tv can handle. That's my first one. Who's first for you? Um, well, I'll just, the Cubs were on my list. I'll just add a couple things to uh, what you said. Um, they're, there are about half a dozen teams that I never, ever, ever watch their broadcast feed on MLB.tv because I hate the announcers that much. Um, and like, I think people who are like really into baseball to the point where they watch teams other than their favorite on MLB.tv tend not to like announcers because, or not to like this generation of announcers because uh, the beloved, you know, Ernie Harwell's and, and Harry Callis's and that like Vince Scully generation of announcers are all dying off. And so they just, you know, there's a, a, a big case of you're not my real dad. Um, but I think the Cubs play by play guy, Len Casper, is probably the best. Uh, best of the current generation of, of play-by-play announcers. Um, I'll add that Wrigley Field looks good on TV, which is important to me. Indeed, um, indeed. And John Lester, you know, I don't find him particularly compelling just in terms of performance, but he's got that weird never throwing over to first thing. That's right. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a reason to tune into to his starts. I, but, you know, the Cubs are, they're the big story this year and they're a lot of fun to watch. So they're an easy number one. Totally agree. My uh, my second team is one of the teams that was the big story last year and is still very fun to me, and that's the Astros. I mean, is there a more fun thing in baseball right now than watching Jose Altuve play? Probably not, right? Probably not. And then beyond just the Altuve experience, which really is enough on its own, you've got some of the most young, fun, exciting players in the game. Carlos Correa, George Springer, our our man, the bear man, Evan Gaddis. Mm-hmm. I am a real Colby Rasmus enthusiast and always have been. I just, the the, the hair, the bizarre facial hair choices, it's he's, all... He's fun. We're, we're going to have some more Colby Rasmus later in this podcast. Oh, too. how intriguing. Okay, your man, Ken Giles, you know? Yeah. Who doesn't who doesn't like to see some some heat in the occasional six run outing in middle relief? Um, I, I'm a big McCullers fan. I, I like pretty much everything that the Astros have going, and there's a high there's a high probability there of tuning into an Astros game and seeing somebody who matters to you up at the plate or doing something cool on the field or on the mound. Yeah, uh, the Astros made my list too. They are. Um, they're one of the teams I get on local cable. Obviously, living in uh, living in Houston, I. Uh, Minute Maid Park is actually I, it's it it's okay on TV. I think it's a really underrated in person ballpark, and uh, this is another uh, pretty good announcing team with Bill Brown, Alan Ashby, and Jeff Blum. They just like you know I don't need announcers who are gonna like read off fan graphs to me. I just want to I just want to have a good time, and those guys all have a good time. So uh, this is you know good team, good ballpark, uh, good announcing crew ton of fun players there's nothing not to like michael i have a sneaking suspicion that the third team on my list might also be on your list and that we're uh, very much in sync for this answer that's the indians no it's not oh i'm stunned you've shocked me you've shocked me and horrified me i considered them that they were uh another team that when i lived in ohio i i watched them pretty much every night because you know Every, almost everything that applies to the Astros applies to the Indians, but they're not on my list, so we're Interesting. not going to okay, well, overlap. We've, we've, we've made a promise to ourselves and to the listeners to mention Francisco Lindor at least once per podcast, and, and uh, here, here we are. Here we are doing it. He is He's up there at, at the Altuve level for me of you know non-Orioles who I'm 
the most interested in seeing play on a daily basis. I've always been partial to Kipnis, as as have you. Napoli, one of my, if I may say, one of the best moves that Jeff Chow and I made in our AL-only keeper league this year was acquiring Mike Napoli at the beginning of the season. He has been money, and he's always a delight. Oh, I just said delight. We had a listener who tweeted at us one of his mailbag questions was like, can we have a drinking game for every time I say delight or delightful? So there you go, drink. Um, But the thing about the Indians that makes them such a clutch MLB.TV pick is that Every player in the rotation is amazing, and so you're mm-hmm. never going to have an off day. You never have an off day from watching someone cool, which is great. Like the, the I, I considered picking the Mets actually for the same reason, just the idea of a rotation that deep and that robust and that full of thrilling arms. But the Mets lineup makes me want to <laughs> curl into a ball and, and <laughs> never watch baseball again, with the exception of Cespedes. So I, I, I couldn't bring myself to, to pick the Mets. I thought the Indians gave me the, the rotation thrills, a little a little bullpen energy and the uh, the, the very the, the, the trio of very fun everyday players. And, and that's without Brantley. You know, when Brantley comes mm-hmm. back, that's just another injection of, of energy and interest. Well, uh, I did pick the Mets. Um, <laughs> I wanted so- to, man. I wanted to. I just couldn't. So my, I've got this weird thing where I watch a, like I watch the West Coast teams a lot more than I watch the East Coast teams because I just sort of sit down at, uh, at six or seven o'clock and just pick whichever game either has the best pitching matchup or is the closest and then just watch it until it stops being close anymore. And so like there are a lot more teams in the Eastern and Central time zones so that my attention sort of gets spread out and I wind up spending a lot more t- time with the the two Western divisions uh, for that reason. So I I wanted to go out of my way to pick an East coast team and the Mets have another great booth. um, And uh, you know, I was putting together this list. I realized their rotation was a lot more full of exciting young arms. uh, When I put this list together on Tuesday, (laughs) than it is now. Yeah. The Um, Harvey thing is really hard. Should we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think Harvey was was always my favorite of of those Mets starters just because he had like I don't know, just liking Syndergaard became too easy at some point and you know Harvey always had this sort of edge to him that like I sort of liked that not everybody liked him that he wasn't you know this people pleaser and you know whether that's because of a, a renegade factor or because you know he's just sort of a weirdo and like people gen- genuinely don't like him I don't know but um you know he was he was the guy who got all this started and uh you know I loved his I love his sort of upright delivery and uh he was always my favorite of those guys to watch and now we're talking about him in the past tense because thoracic outlet surgery is no joke it was uh just a little bit more than a year ago that he came back so fully and well from tommy john and you wrote a great great piece for grantland return of the king falling in love with matt harvey all over again where you explored a lot of those feelings it was one of my favorite pieces that we did all season you liked it enough that you remembered the whole title i just i I just googled it like a champion using the computer right in front of me and the thing i did remember without having to google it was this amazing line that you had in here harvey just appeared one day like aphrodite rising from the sea perfect fully formed and stark naked and of course the stark naked line links to the body issue uh Mm -hmm. photo shoot that he did but that was part of it, right? The way he just exploded onto the scene and was so instantaneously successful and dominant and compelling. It, it, it's just such a shame. And I think that the thing with, like, any time there's the, the rehab possibility with any injury, 
there's always the part of you that's like, just get the surgery, right? Because it's going to happen mm-hmm. eventually. Oh, just yeah. speed this along. Why like tread water here? But the rare thing is to actually hear someone say that. And that was really depressing yesterday. I thought with, with, with Alderson saying like, well, surgery is probably inevitable here. So it just, it just has a, the feel of, uh, of something that's, that's going to be a problem for a while. Um, yeah. And it's like, this isn't like soreness or, or like weakness. It's like, you know, he like can't feel his hand when he's pitching. It's just really bad. Really bad. Okay, now we're 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 getting into depressing territory. Um, okay, so I surprised myself a bit with the selection, but when I was trying to honestly assess my viewing habits, I realized this is one of my five teams, and that's the Giants. Uh, we actually have not given them a lot of love on this podcast yet, and I think that's because, in a way, their success is boring which makes it seem like they would not be a good choice for this I list. just assume they're going to win the World Series. Right, year. exactly. It's like, well, why even tune in? Because we know how this is going to go. But damn, are they good. It's it's unbelievable. Bumgarner for me is one of a handful of appointment viewing pitchers where I try to tune into every start if I can. He's just, he's at that level. He's that good. And this year he's been unbelievable. Uh, you know, they're not flashy and, and necessarily even fun in the way that the other teams on my list are, but sometimes I just want to watch good baseball, you know, and that's that's what they consistently deliver. Yeah, I I don't like Madison Bumgarner at all. It's like it's a completely irrational thing. This is, but your, I do, this is your worst opinion. It is not my worst opinion. <laughs> I just have. But it's sort of balanced out by my adoration for one GD Buster Posey and uh <laughs> Uh, it's that's another you know ballpark that looks good on TV and another good booth and yeah you know, they're always on late at night. Um, this is sort of a weird complaint. Like this might actually knock them out of the top five. Their uh, their home feed is kind of dark. Like it's just not well lit. That's and true. That's true. That but the ballpark has such a, a satisfying aesthetic on the whole that it's yeah it's okay. I don't know. That's that's one of those things that, like I feel like I got to see well, I haven't been out there so like I just sort of you know roll my eyes when people say oh my god PNC Park or, or whatever no that's the, not PNC uh SBC or whatever it's called now is like the best ballpark ever I'm like okay you know keep it in your pants a little bit but I don't know, maybe it is that good um listen it's AT&T Park and uh you should you should learn to show a little more respect I think there was when they were building it um i have no idea if this was true or not but uh i heard that ralph loren like this might have been absolutely a joke but if it is but if it is a joke it's so good i'm gonna repeat it right now ralph loren came in with a low ball bid for the naming rights and wanted to call it the polo grounds wow and, uh, wow what a missed opportunity it, like they should have given it to him for free but i agree all right who's next for you uh, so th- I've got two teams left. One of them is the uh, the most exciting team from last year, the Toronto Blue Jays. I think after the trade deadline, I watch them uh, four or five times a week. It's just that lineup is so good. Marcus Stroman is so compelling to watch pitch. Um, Jay Happ is is like weirdly compelling as well for reasons that. I'm sure makes sense to nobody else. Um, the other thing about Toronto is they've got I they've got probably my favorite set of uniforms in baseball right now too. So you know, look good, feel good, play good, all that stuff. 
I thought the Orioles Saturday jersey was your favorite. Is that the black one or the the orange one? Oh, uh, the orange one. Black is Friday I, night. The Orioles are up there. Uh, they the black one I don't love. I don't the love the black panel. one either. But the 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 white panel on the cap too is a magical creation and a thing of rare beauty. I don't like it either. You're you're losing me today, man. You're losing me. Let's, <laughs> oh boy. Okay, the final team on my list. Wait, were you done? <laughs> no, I've got one more. Go. Okay, I have one more too. The uh, the final team on my list. I hate myself for saying it, but if I'm being honest with myself, it's the Boston Red Sox because Mookie, Xander, your man, JBJ, David Price, Kimbrell, I, more prospects on the way, an influx of talent yet to arrive. It's pretty hard not to enjoy watching these guys play baseball, even though it's definitely not enjoyable when I'm watching them play baseball against the Orioles. Yeah. Uh, the team's a lot of fun and they're, it is definitely a top five most entertaining team, I think. And they are not on my list and I'll leave the listeners to fill in reasons why uh, that could possibly be. <laughs> Uh, my fifth team, I think, is is this year's Blue Jays. I, I saw them in person a couple weeks ago and uh, absolutely fell in love. And I think this the Texas Rangers are this year's, last year's Blue Jays. They've got exciting players pretty much at every position. They've got when you Darvish comes back, they'll have two um, just really fun appointment level uh, starting pitchers. Darvish is my favorite non-Jose Fernandez pitcher to watch. And when Cole Hamels is the second most fun pitcher on your team, that's uh, that's a pretty good rotation. And also that ballpark looks awesome on TV. It's up there. It's not quite – I think Coors Field is the best-looking TV ballpark for my money, but the Rockies oh. haven't really – been worth watching for <laughs> yeah. the past several years in fact i've got a piece going up today about how and why the rockies have been terrible forever so though in the rockies in the rockies defense in, in terms of an mlb.tv ranking high probability of seeing a home run pretty much anytime you you sure flip over which is which is nice if you're into that sort of thing. yeah horrid uniforms though horrid Okay, um, you know, for what it's worth, my anti-MLB.TV team is uh, is Arizona because the the fashion statements that they're, they're making this year are just uh, downright you and offensive. You're going to have to have it out about uniforms. At some the Diamondbacks uniforms are actually indefensibly bad. Okay. Indefensibly well, bad. We were we were looking for stuff to to talk about after the All Star break. I think we should just talk about the Diamondbacks uniforms then, because I couldn't disagree okay, more. Okay, should we talk about whether or not your your vision card from the company has arrived and you can seek <laughs> attention for your eyesight? Well, does that? <clears throat> I don't know. This is sort of later in the in our running order, but we could talk about Wilson Ramos and and how he's helped his free agent stock. Wow. <laughs> We're going to pause here for a moment uh, to talk about our sponsor, T-Mobile. In baseball, home runs are the ultimate game changers, but T-Mobile has changed the wireless game for good. They've doubled their LTE coverage, and now they reach 309 million Americans. Their extended range LTE signal reaches two times farther and is four times stronger in buildings than before. Just like they've got you covered, T-Mobile has the Home Run Derby covered too. You can fill out a Home Run Derby bracket at MLB.com slash bracket challenge and win a trip for four to game one of the World Series. T-Mobile, changing the game for good. LTE doubled over 2015 and 2016. 
No purchase necessary to enter or win. Ends July 10th, 2016. Open to legal residents of the 50 United States and D.C. age 18 and up. Void where prohibited. For official rules and complete details, visit MLB.com slash Bracket Challenge. I also want to tell you about today's other sponsor, Harry's. Harry's offers something you've never had before, a great shave at a fair price. Harry's makes its own high-quality razors, cuts out the middleman, and ships them directly to you for half the price of the leading brand. Good shave, good price. It's simple. Get the best of both with Harry's. You know, one thing that I've always had uh, had issues with uh, with shaving is if you got a really coarse beard, it's tough to get that smooth shave without dulling the razor, without getting those nicks and cuts. And there's just so much less of that with, with Harry's. Um, you know, you look great, your face feels great and they've got a moisturizing shave cream that smells great too so it it appeals to all senses Uh, harry's starter set uh, called the truman is a great option for new customers and an amazing deal for just 15 dollars, you get a razor handle moisturizing shave cream and three of harry's five blade german engineered razors plus for fans of the show there's a special offer Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase with promo code MLB. Go to harrys.com right now and look for the Truman set. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Enter code MLB at checkout to get $5 off and help support the show. Stop compromising. Give Harry's a try today. Uh, We've got one from Green 484 uh, what free agents after the season have hurt or helped their stock the most in the first half? And I think the obvious answer to helped is Wilson Ramos, who uh, has I've been rooting for his entire career because he was you know, he was a top 100 prospect and came up, took over the Nationals starting catcher job, like right when the Nationals were getting good, and was really good as a rookie and has just had the saddest, most hard luck career since then. He literally got kidnapped. Yes, one off season. Um, he's battled with injuries. He's been in and out of the lineup, and uh, it turns out that getting uh, LASIK surgery and improving your vision helps you hit a baseball because <laughs> he's done that quite well this season. He is hitting 333, 388, 549, which is um, almost mind-bendingly good for a catcher. He's going to get paid this offseason. And he's he's still only 28. Like That's amazing. That's it, It's crazy because it feels like we've been talking about him and the his, his hardships for the better part of our, our lives but yeah he was on my list of, of people who have helped their cases the most as well I think another guy is someone who you've written about uh quite well this season and that's your man Ian Desmond mm-hmm. part of the reason that those Rangers are so fun this year I mean it seemed like he made a colossal mistake by not accepting the Nationals 100 I think 107 million dollar offer earlier last season and instead settling for a one-year cup of coffee basically and a position change to boot but he's completely revitalized his career and now he's gonna now he's gonna cash in yeah he's gonna make that contract back absolutely uh, he's been extremely durable and like apart from last year he's been like he's got that track record of hitting and now you know that at 31 he can handle center field just fine he's yeah he's gonna get paid i have one more guy who helped before we before we get to the the hurt um Michael Saunders. Oh yeah. Who is one of these guys who we we basically always knew or at least thought had this ability, but this is 
truly the first time that we're, we're seeing the full set of results over a prolonged period of time. He's striking out a ton, but he's showing great power, and he's finally staying healthy, right? That's the key. He's finally staying healthy, avoiding these weird freak injuries, and now someone's going to pay him. He also apparently has America's heart because he is, uh, when I last checked, leading the, the final vote for, for the, well, for the he's, AL. He's got North America's heart. <laughs> I think he's. I they they showed uh, um, the vote totals broken down by region uh, on MLB Network last night. I think he, he had like ninety eight point seven percent of the vote in Canada. Wow! So that's wild. Um, who has a? Oh, you know what? It, it would be a, a. It would be irresponsible to not mention Mark Trumbo here, wouldn't it? He's only leading the, the guess, he's only okay. leading the majors and homers. No big deal. I mean, obviously, neither of us are actually Trumbo believers, but baseball teams are stupid and will often pay a lot of money for people who hit home runs. Uh, you know, nothing has really changed in the sense that his defense remains a total liability. He's gonna, you know, basically threaten to strike out two hundred times every season. He's actually the interesting thing though this year is that it's not just sustained power. He's actually on pace for career highs and batting average on base percentage and slugging percentage and so I think that really more than the shocking home run totals is what's going to allow some team to talk itself into giving him more money than it should. Yeah, talk itself into totally. is, yeah. is the right I, way to put that. That team would not have my support, but uh, and I sure hope it's not the Orioles, but I definitely think it'll happen. Oh, well, it might be the Orioles. Stop it. Stop it. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be the Cruz thing all over again, right? Like, let the guy revitalize his career and, and, and then and show that he's, he's worth giving an absurd amount of money to and then let another team give him that absurd amount of money in the, the four years, hopefully. Hmm. Um, what about a couple of the guys who have, who have hurt? Uh, should I should I start first here? Yeah, I've got a, a hitter and a pitcher for you. Okay. The hitter is Carlos Gomez. Michael, do you remember around this time last year when the Mets wanted Carlos Gomez more than they oh, wanted Yoenis yeah. Cespedes? <laughs> I, that, I, that wanted, was, I wanted Gomez for the Mets. That was a I real thing that happened, and that we all yeah. th- thought made sense at the time. Um, he's barely above the Mendoza line. He has four home runs. He has somehow struck out 80 times which is the same number of total bases that he has at the moment which is crazy and he's rocking a negative war that's bad he's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna get much this offseason he's also old and injury prone also he's another one of those guys that uh it has a divisive personality whether that's i i think that's more other people's fault than his own but that's still something you have to consider but totally my um my nomination for the pitcher who has hurt his free agency chances the most this is a little bit of an off the radar pick but what about andrew kashner he was even though he is he was not good last year he was still carrying enough of the potential tag to be like a sexy ish trade target as recently as certainly last season and really as recently as this off season He's struggled with injuries all year. His FIP is approaching five. He's on pace, most damningly of all, I think, for a career low strikeout per nine innings total. Yeah, that's the which is, big one. Yeah, and the thing is, it's all about the context with him. Like, this is such a weak free agent pitching class that he had a chance, if he put together a great season, to emerge as someone worth pursuing in a really weak year, but he's completely compromised his own value. Yeah, I forgot he existed to there, be there totally you go. honest there you go um, that's that is 
pretty telling. My my guy, uh, just real quick, is Scott Casimir. I think there yep. he he had that bounce back, um, and uh, you know just him still being in the major leagues at this point is a big win for him compared to where we thought he'd be five years ago. But uh, you know he was a uh, I don't know maybe a, a strong number two. Uh, in Oakland and then he got to Houston and was supposed to be that number two starter behind Dallas Keuchel and just never really found his footing. And it's, you know, it's, it's been okay with, uh, with LA. He's been just sort of kind of below average. And I don't know how much a 33 year old pitcher who's kind of below average, you know, an undersized lefty with his injury history, you know, it's, uh, you know, he's, um, He's got the option to to opt out this year, I guess, and uh, or not, I guess. You know, he definitely has the option to opt out, and he's got just doing the math thirty four, thirty five million dollars over the next two years coming to him. I find it highly unlikely that he will opt out and yeah, uh, and test free agency. Whereas if you know if he had had that big that big year, he would um he would be in line to to get paid. I'd just like to quickly congratulate our colleague, Ryan O'Hanlon, who is going to have the sincere pleasure of watching Kashner and Kazmir face off tonight at Dodger Stadium with his family. Enjoy, Ryan. <laughs> uh, all right. What's that next? That guy hasn't suffered enough. <laughs> I, know. I know. Poor bastard. Uh, okay. Um, we've got the Cubs bonanza up. It's, you know, we talked about the Cubs being the biggest story and our, uh, Listenership wants to hear about the Cubs. Yes, we got a lot of Cubs questions. A lot. So the first one is uh, was asked by many people, uh, but I'm picking at Surgeon My Pants. (laughs) Of course, you are for obvious reasons. (laughs) Uh, How concerned should the Cubs be with this recent swoon? Why don't you Um, take that one, man? How concerned should the Cubs be with this recent swoon? I really wish I really wish I had the the baseball prospectus uh, playoff odds up in front of me. Um, it I find it offensive on a certain <laughs> level. The Cubs fans are freaking out. Yeah, and I think they're doing their best to hold it together. And on some level, I understand like this is not a team where everything has tended to work out over the past hundred years or so, but. No, like not at all. Like I don't want to tell other people what to feel, except if you're going to feel panic when there's still eight games up in the division, when they've got the entire National League All-Star infield, when with Jake Arrieta and John Lester at the top of the rotation, um, you can feel panic if you want. I would just encourage you to not feel it where I can see it. I think that's a reasonable opinion. Um, it's sort of like there's I, there's something. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? It's absurd. But there's also something sort of like sweet and endearing about it because it's an well, anxiety. So, but it's, but it's, a, can... it's a level of anxiety that can only be born from severe prior heartache, right? And, and so I'm I'm a sympathetic, but I also uh, I'm, I, I share the same opinion as you. Get, you see, I it's. I just worry that this is going to turn into the Red Sox thing all over again, where it was cute until it all of a sudden very much stopped being cute. Yeah. 
and yeah, they're they're ninety eight point five percent to 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 make the playoffs by baseball prospectuses. That's a that's uh, a high number. That's a high number. That's I think you're gonna be okay. Okay, well let's let's get to one of our other Cubs questions. Okay. I'll ask I'll ask you this one. Okay. This is from TLO Pizza. Tlapitza. <laughs> <laughs> what impact on the Cubs does Madden's inclination to use so many guys at so many different positions have? Is there a precedent? Uh yes, there's I mean I've I've done the AJ Hinch uh, spiel um on this pod before uh i didn't realize how much he wrote his lineup every day but a friend of mine chris abshire who's who's on the astros beat uh he brought up that aj hinch didn't use the same bat or the same batting order more than twice at any point last year uh so i looked it up on baseball reference he used 124 different defensive lineups and 151 batting orders wow. not including pitchers and yeah, I think if you got that flexibility, you know, and Zobrist and, and Javier Baez and uh, Chris Bryant can all play multiple positions, it allows you, and this is the thing, it allows you to to put guys in the lineup in positions where they're most likely to succeed, whether that means shielding some of your lefties against tough left-handed pitchers, whether that means moving guys around for defensive purposes in some situation or other. Um, and I think a smart manager values that flexibility uh, over just sort of rubber stamping the same lineup. And I think Madden is a smart manager. And, you know, I think if if you pitch it the right way to the players, like, you know, we're just as something like we're going to stay on our toes. We're going to try new things. We're going to experiment and have fun. I think that that wouldn't have any negative impact on um, on the player's comfort. And it's, you know, it's not he's not like, you know, yanking guys in and out of the lineup for no reason all the time. Like, you, you know, you're still going to see Chris Bryan in the, in the lineup. It's just, you know, where you're going to put him. Right. I, I think this like stuff kind of freaks out baseball fans because baseball is such, it, it's such a, a game of routine and it's mm-hmm. built for creatures of habit, both, when that comes to the people who play it and the people who watch it. So I think people still find this very jarring, but hopefully we're getting into a uh, an, an era where we accept that if a manager is creative and clever enough to put out the most efficient, hopefully successful lineup and defensive pairing each day, then that's what that person should do. So it's, uh, it's actually pretty cool to see, I think. I, and before I forget... Um... You know, this is something Casey Stengel used to do when he won like 10 pennants in a row or whatever it was with the uh, the Yankees in the 50s, too. So, you know, this is not there's not it's not unprecedented, unprecedented that a, a team would would use its flexibility to its advantage en route to even a World Series title. Should we very, very quickly do one more Cubs question since we yes. got so many? All right. All right. Uh and uh, this one is from B Devitt Six. Why shouldn't the Cubs trade Schwarber for Miller? Okay, so I went I went through the motions with this one, trying to figure out my own feelings because um, I'm not actually interested in answering the exact question. I'm just <laughs> interested in determining whether the answer is that they should or they shouldn't. And I I don't really know. But here here's sort of just the the brief history of what I went through thinking about this. So uh, obviously, let's just say Miller. That's Andrew Miller, one yeah. of our favorite relievers. 
who is currently with the New York Yankees. And uh, he is reportedly, according to John Heyman and, and other people, atop a the Cubs wish list for the, the trade deadline. And justifiably so, right? Who, yeah. <laughs> who wouldn't want a lefty reliever with a 16.2 strikeout per nine inning mark at the moment? Um, my, my first thought on this, though, was like, you can't deal a guy with 40 home run potential for a reliever. That at the most simple level, when you reduce it to those descriptions, it's not really something that makes sense or is rational. I think that you can deal a prospect who might have that kind of pop, but not someone who's actually shown it at the major league level the way that Schwarber has. Here's the the caveat, though. This is when I started to talk myself out of that pretty quickly. Schwarber clearly belongs in the American League. He should be a DH. So maybe, or at the very least at first base. Right. Which, so which and they're not the Cubs. Yeah, sorry, like the, the, the Anthony Rizzo. For, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they have as much use for a first baseman as they do a DH. Right. I think Anthony Rizzo's got that. So maybe the Cubs are going to be more willing or more inclined to let Schwarber go than like literally almost any other team would be because of his defensive limitations in the outfield. That said. All that said, here's where I ultimately landed. Flags fly forever, baby, right? And and Miller can help make that a reality this year. Schwarber can't. He tore up his knee. He's out for the entire season. If Andrew Miller can help this team win a championship this year and Kyle Schwarber can't, isn't ultimately the calculus that simple, especially given the depth that the Cubs have of you know young players in, in general, but young outfielders in particular? it's hard it's really hard you know i I wouldn't i wouldn't nail him to the wall for it i think the fact that miller's got two more years on his contract and so this isn't just a rental and uh the fact that um that he's so good makes this more palatable than otherwise like i wouldn't be opposed to trading shorber at all for the reasons that you said you know they're they just don't really have a place to play him but I'm they don't really need any position players right now and they they're sort of okay on starting pitching I don't know if Schwarber alone gets you a big upgrade particularly like this is a weird pitching market and we can talk about that another time I just you know you're still trading a guy with not only 40 home run potential but with like 380 on base potential uh you know four or five cost control years of him for a relief pitcher and yeah, I you mean, know, if you're if you're going to do that, this is the situation to do. Right. It, that's right? that's ex- that's exactly it. Like the initial just consideration of that kind of player for a reliever. When you would think about how you'd react just instinctually if you saw the headline, you'd say that's crazy. But then when you actually start to think about what it would mean in this circumstance this season, it becomes it becomes defensible. And yeah, and one like. like there's more to this when you're talking about relief pitchers and just adding up the war, but like, you know, maybe Schwarber, even with, with his bat as a left fielder, the defense is so bad. He's only a two or three win player and, you know, a really good relief pitcher of Miller's quality can be a two or three win player. So maybe it, maybe it does all wash out. I don't know. I think I I might've talked myself into it. See, it happens, man. It's a journey, but, but yeah, I mean, Andrew Miller's already at 1.8 war. You know, he's on pace for a, a three or slightly north of three war season. That's that's unbelievable. All right, what what's what's next? We could talk we, okay. we we could talk about Andrew Miller all day. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, most. Uh, this is from Caminator Two. Who has the most talented starting outfield in Major League Baseball? Ooh. You want to go first? I think we might have the same answer. I kind of landed on the boring answer. I don't think we have the same answer. Okay. Because um, I think I know what yours is. Uh, I. Uh, I still think it's the Pirates. That's my answer, too. But oh, I knew, okay. mostly oh, you, because I thought you were going to pick the Marlins. Okay. I th- Did you think uh, I was going to pick the Marlins oh, and that's you. why you picked yeah, the Pirates? Yeah. Get out of my head, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, we can very quickly talk about both the Pirates and the Marlins. You start. <laughs> I think they, I mean, they got three plus outfielders. And I don't know. You could maybe Mike Trout is so good that he counts for two. I think the. Um, the Angels and the Red Sox are both one mediocre outfielder away from being in this discussion, but you know, I, McCutcheon is not that far removed from uh, from being the National League MVP. You know, Starling Marte's fine, um, and Gregory Polanco has has superstar potential, and they're all good at the same time. You just don't see that that often. Yeah, I mean good defenders they can all run they all have power like what is not to love about any of them i think one of the things that's kind of fun about the pirates outfield this in this particular moment in time is that two of the three are in the top 10 in war among nl outfielders and the one who isn't is andrew mccutcheon and he's just he's not staying out of that mix for long so if you're if you're uh you know a couple if you're an andrew mccutcheon hot streak away from having three of the top 10 outfielders in your league by war that is fucking unrivaled that's amazing uh man i cursed i'm trying to cut down on my cursing (laughs) that could be the on the drinking game too whenever Uh, whenever you curse whenever you say delight whenever i say where somebody went to college (laughs) or was drafted which which i yeah which i've i've restrained myself from doing twice now because i don't want to turn into baseball's pierre mcguire we're really growing Um, man we're really really growing should we know we're still we're still new to this so should we very 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 quickly give the marlins a little bit of love we'd just be repeating everything we've said a hundred times but our boy marcelo zuna we've talked about him ad nauseum he's he's dope the mighty Giancarlo Stanton is having mm-hmm. arguably the worst season of his career and still has no, 19, 19 home runs. <laughs> 19 home runs. Notable. And then there's Yelich. On pace just, for his best career war year. Yeah. Not bad. I don't know. Stanton is... Uh, there's uh, a line I like to keep using. It's like, you know, every people tend to regress to the mean, but it doesn't always happen all at once. But sometimes it does. Like, Stanton... Stanton homering after that Mets fan was shouting overrated at him so is great. one of the maybe the one of the best uh, comedy moments of the season. So great. I can't wait to see him in the Derby. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, all right. Next question uh, before we've, we've got a couple uh, big closers. And I think this is this is the last one before we get to those. OK, uh, this is from Barrel Bonds. Has any star players prime in history been wasted more than Mike Trout's? Okay, what an interesting question. Um, I have a contender for you. I have a nomination. Let me know what All you right. think about this one. Okay. How about Tom Seaver? Let me let me share a couple data points with you. Okay. Let me just read you, if I may, Tom Seaver's war totals for the first 10 years of his career. Okay. 1967, 6.0. 1968, 6.8. 1969, 7.2. 1970, 5.8. 1971, 10.1. 1972, 5.2. 1973, 
1975, 7.8, 1976, 5.5. That's a total of 71.2 war over his first 10 seasons. He Mm -hmm. was an all-star in nine of those seasons. He was the rookie of the year. He won three Cy Youngs. And in those 10 years, the Mets made the playoffs twice. Twice. While having a pitcher who was not just good, but historically dominant. That means that 80% of his of the the incredible first decade of his career was essentially wasted. So that's my nomination. Okay. I don't I don't love that because the I mean making the playoffs twice mattered more. I mean that was 1969 was the start of the <clears throat> was the start of the divisional era, but they also they won a title and went back to the World Series. So both of those times they won at least one playoff round with Seaver. And I think there are other other stars whose primes have been wasted more. Although I will say that Seaver was like I think we're it's an interesting place that we're in right now with Seaver because um I think somehow he's become underrated. Yes. For sure. I don't I don't know if like he springs immediately to mind when you talk about 10 best pitchers of of his or of of all time relative to era. I think that's um, that's part of why I I again, not with great conviction, but tossed it out there as a nomination for consideration because okay. I think when you look at when you actually start to look at his career and you look at his stats, the level of excellence is supreme mm-hmm. and when you have a player who is like an all-time great, you should be consistently contending for titles. That's that's the that's the that's the argument. But I don't know. It's it's a trout is certainly up there. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I've got I've got two. The first one is one of the very few players who is better relative to his competition than. And Seaver, and that's Ted Williams, who, like, we think about those great Red Sox teams of the of the 1940s and 1950s, but he made the playoffs once in his entire career, and never made. You know, he's won as many playoff series in his career as uh, as Mike Trout has, and you know he has about Trout has about 15 more years to go to to catch up to him, and this is you know. Williams is one of the best hit best uh, position players of all time relative to his era. And I, you know, I think that says less about Williams, like in innate clutchness as it does about how good the Yankees were at that time. Right. But yeah, that just seems Obviously amazing. Also some complicating factors there with yeah. military service and World That's War II too. and, and, yeah, I, I consider to... nominating. It's interesting. I, I actually consider this as well, and that's the reason I didn't, which maybe is stupid, because the military service thing and the, the 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 impact of the war, you know, that was a factor for every team, not just the yeah. Red Sox. But continue. I mean, it's but if we're just talking about one player, that that does take a little bit of the sting out of uh, out of Williams too. But and the other thing is the the Cubs in the 1950s and 60s. There's not like. Ernie Banks is the headliner, but they had Ernie Banks's prime and then Billy Williams and then Ron Santo. And then they had Ferguson Jenkins for a lot of that. And they never made the playoffs once with, and I just reeled off four hall of famers who spent uh, at least like seven years to a decade. And in Banks and Williams case, their entire careers with, uh, um, 
with the Cubs. Or no, Billy Williams played a couple years in Oakland at the at the, but that was like at the very end. And you know, talk about a waste. You know, it was it was a different time then because only one team from each league made the playoffs. But that's still a, you know, not get Ernie Banks to the playoffs once. That's that's wild. It's pretty wasteful. All right. So these these last two are a little off the beaten path. Uh, one is pretty much directed to to you, uh, television star Mallory Rubin, Game oh, of Thrones stop. expert. Stop. It's this really is intimidating. Like you know, <laughs> you're somebody that I see on TV, and and here we are doing a podcast together. Uh, so this is from Jay Shepler sixty six Mallory. So this is the only one that I think got directed to one of us in particular. Mallory, can you give Game of Thrones comps for each MLB team? And certainly, I imagine you're not. I couldn't name thirty Game of Thrones uh, houses, but <laughs> I could. But I'm I sure won't. you could. Yeah. Um, so all right. Give us a highlight. Okay. So I, I actually like when I was still working in Sports Illustrated a few years ago. I I did this as a written exercise, and it was interesting because seeing this question, I quickly looked back at that, and everything has changed, guys. Everything has changed, both in the world of baseball and uh, and in uh, in a Song of Ice and Fire. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna update these comparisons, and I'm gonna be as quick as I possibly can here. Um, I'm really basing this mostly on current story arcs and less on like house history. Uh, so my first one, and, and, and that, that point is particularly uh, relevant to this pick because I'm going to start with the Targaryens and the team that I'm selecting does not have the former like conquered a land and established a dynasty element, but definitely has the, whoa, all the dragons are finally together. We're on our way to Westeros. Is this thing finally happening? Is it time to take the throne? And that's the Cubs. The Cubs are our Targaryens this year. We spent enough time talking about the Cubs on this podcast. I'm going to move on. Um, I have a weird one for the Lannisters. This was actually, I thought, one of the harder ones to settle on. Because one of the defining characteristics of House Lannister is that, you know moral gray areas right like technically kind of the villains but we really love Tyrion. he's part of house lannister we have had this emotional roller coaster of a relationship with jamie even cersei who is at this point in the show the the truest villain she's just a mom who wants to protect her kids failed but wanted to yeah. <laughs> um and so I, i'm gonna pick this might seem weird i'm gonna pick the giants because of that element of like a great power who we kind of keep like being prepared to write off. We keep saying like, all right, the Lannisters are about done here. All right, the Giants are about done here. But, th- but they always find a way, they always find a way to hold on. And for all the people out there who are going to be like, well, wait, like Joffrey was technically a Baratheon and Tommen was technically a Baratheon and Cersei's direct connection to the throne right now is through a prior Baratheon marriage. Come on. This is all Lannister puppet pulling. Um, so so that's what I'm going with right now, because look, we're, we're no one spent any time talking about the Giants and, and here they are on their way to a probably possibly another World Series title. All right, how about for the Tyrells? I think we could go with either L.A. team here, either the Dodgers or the Angels. Basically, the idea of having a very uh, a very powerful, successful heir in line to inherit 
and having a lot of money, just a lot of resources and having like the beautiful fashion sense and all of this and then, and then doing nothing with it, just doing absolutely nothing with it and really not, not using your funds wisely in the end. Um, I'm just going to keep this moving here for, for, uh, for the Martells. What about the Indians? When I think about the Martells right now, I think of a family, and in the Indians' case, a team, that we were all really kind of intrigued by about a year ago. And then we were like, wait a minute, what's going on here? This is weird. Not sure I'm super into this. Let me pull away. And now now they're back, man. Now they're back. And all of a sudden, they're players. And we're still trying to, to figure out what the ultimate success rate is going to be, but they're in the great game now, man. And <laughs> the great game is terrifying. Um, okay. I think the hardest one to figure out was the Starks, of course, because there's just a lot of pressure there when you're going to compare any entity in this life to the Starks. I, it's either the Astros or the Rangers right now, because when you think about the Starks, the defining characters i don't i don't know if that much uh, if that much fur and leather would do that well in summer in texas definitely they're on climate definitely they're on climate that's true but so here's the thing about the starks it's not really true or totally accurate to say that they're the underdogs right but they have sort of been beleaguered for a while and a lot of injuries for the rangers over the last few years lot of irrelevance, sustained irrelevance for the Astros. You know what? Let, let's go with the Astros here. I like this one okay. more as I'm thinking about it because it's it's the rebuild, man, and it's all finally clicking. Lost, lost a lot of pieces there. Had to attempt to reconfigure it and realign and get everybody back in the same place at the same time. And it's happening. And here's the other key. Here's the real key for the Starks, actually. People have to like them. People have to root for them and want them to succeed. And I think people like this Astros team, maybe other than than you, because I know you're very partial. You're having a love affair with the Rangers right now. But I think in general, people probably like the Astros team and want to root for the Astros more than they want to root for the Rangers. Uh, you know what? I just I know I already took a shot at the Diamondbacks earlier when I made fun of their uniforms. But just a, one, one more quick little, little uh, pie full of someone's own kin. How about the the Diamondbacks as the phrase? Because oh, that's mean. <laughs> it's like you had you had it you had one chance. You know, you made this alliance with House Lannister. You made this deal with Zach Greinke and this deal for Shelby Miller. You came out front in like you were a major player, and then you just fucked it all up right away. Not great. Not great. Um, what, who else should we do? The Aarons. We should probably do the Aarons because obviously the Knights of the Vale played a big role in uh, in this most recent season of Game of Thrones. I would say that the Aarons are most like the Blue Jays right now because there's clearly a potent force and a unit that could have a say in how this season shakes out, but there's also still a little bit of an air of mystery about how things are going to go. And Good use uh, of the color blue too. That's right. Exactly. Just a beautiful, beautiful Falcon on a sky. Um, last one, because I, I just can't help myself. The night King, the white walkers, the Yankees, 
just always there threatening chaos, always looming in the background waiting to ruin everything. That's all I got, man. That's good. All right, Michael. If there's uh if there's one thing that you care about as much as I care about Game of Thrones, it's the it's the 2016 Euros. So here's uh-huh. a here's a topical question from Mark Lavis. I'm 23, yo. How long until my generation makes baseball the fourth most popular sport in the U.S. behind football, soccer, and basketball? What do you think? Well, the first thing I would say is enjoy your youth, Mark, because it'll be <laughs> over before you, you know, before you've really appreciated if you're not careful. Um, so I, I don't know. I I think the the baseball is dying thing is has always sort of been overstated that it's born out of an and either in either an inability or an unwillingness uh, by mainstream media to uh, accurately interpret TV ratings. But, you know, I, I think soccer, it, it would be hard to dispute that soccer is definitely on the rise and, and uh, baseball is not as popular as it was uh, 50 years ago. I don't know if that's a linear decline. Um, I think the the reason that. I don't necessarily agree with the premise of this question is that it has nothing to do with baseball or soccer. I think that soccer's rise right now um, is kind of slow. It's it's slower than it's being made out to be. I think that MLS and and the U.S. national team are, have sort of hit a uh, uh, developmental sticking point um, in terms of getting a bigger share of the, the sporting audience. Um, I don't think soccer is even at this point in terms of, uh, um, and certainly not MLS, it is uh, in danger of even passing hockey to break into the top four uh, at this point. Um, but I think that by the time that, I think it will happen, but by the time it does, I worry that um, the concussion crisis makes football as we know it into maybe a regional game or, or a niche sport uh, like boxing, like, you know, boxing it's at one point uh, back when baseball was at the top of the period, boxing was as big as football is now. Right. And the the violence sort of put up a class barrier to, to participating. And I think that's something that uh, that's going to happen. I think that that football, like professional football, as we know it, barring some major medical breakthrough will be um, relegated to a second class uh second or you know to to a second tier sport um in the near enough future that i'll be able to write about it so i you know i think soccer might pass baseball i don't know if that happens before soccer also passes football though interesting although basketball is a sport of the future i absolutely think that i that's the we we certainly work for a, a website that thinks yeah, that. That's, <laughs> so way to stick to the company line, that, my man. Good, good job. For business basketball you've sport of the you've passed your first test. Mm-hmm. Um, right, guys, keep watching baseball. Baseball is really great. We why choose? You know, watch it all. Yeah. Watch it all. All right, Michael. This was a delight. Baseball is uh, a family, and uh, oh, god damn it. <laughs> Baseball is a family, and we, we want to thank our, our listeners for submitting questions and being a part of that family with us this week. Thanks, guys. Yep. Goodbye. Go O's. See you next week.
T-Mobile is changing the game for good. For a chance to win a trip for four to game one of the World Series, make your picks in T-Mobile's Home Run Derby Bracket Challenge at tmobile.com slash MLB. No purchase necessary to enter or win ends July 10th, 2016. Open to legal residents of the 50 United States and D.C., ages 18 and up. Void where prohibited. For official rules and complete details, visit MLB.com slash bracket challenge.